Welcome to Collective Enrollment, a special four-part podcast series that explores the future of student marketing and recruitment, brought to you by Zimi and Enrollify. Over the next four weeks, you'll get a crash course on what Collective Enrollment is, why it matters for both enrollment and marketing professionals, and how to adopt Collective Enrollment strategies into your enrollment marketing mix. We'll explore what a world without Facebook and the College Board might mean for new student acquisition. We'll hear the founding story of Zimi, and we'll learn from current high school students about how they want to and don't want to be recruited by institutions. This series is brought to you by Zimi. Zimi is the go-to social community for students headed to college. More than 1 million students use Zimi to connect and chat with other prospective students interested in the same colleges and universities. And more than 150 schools use Zimi to establish and facilitate quality relationships with future students as early as their sophomore year in high school. To learn more about Zimi, head on over to colleges.zimi.com and be sure to tell them that your friends over at Enrollify sent you their way. Without further ado, welcome to Collective Enrollment. In this episode of Collective Enrollment, you'll meet Vanessa Didick, CEO of Zimi. Vanessa is a serial entrepreneur with over 16 years experience building and leading ed tech companies to support the academic journey and increase access to quality education. On today's podcast, I chat with Vanessa about how shifts in consumer behavior, standardized testing requirements, and social media usage and reach have affected and will continue to affect the ways in which colleges and universities recruit students. You can connect with Vanessa on LinkedIn or Twitter via the links in the show notes below. All right, Vanessa, I am so excited that we're finally getting the opportunity to chat. You came on the Enrollify podcast, I think like almost a year ago, a year ago to date. Maybe it was even, was it two years ago? No. Do you yeah, remember? I don't know. I don't know. It's been, it's been a while. Yeah, I think it was a bit ago. <laughs> it was like early on in the pandemic. So yeah, maybe maybe it was two years ago. Jeez. But anyhow, I'm excited to be chatting with you again in a, a slightly different context here. And we have a lot to dive into. The The title of this episode is A World Without Facebook and the College Board, The Future of Recruitment and Student Engagement. So it's a powerful, it's a powerful title, and there's a lot to kind of like unpack here. But I want to start by asking you about your own college search experience. Do you remember the first time a recruiter visited your high school or that you attended a college fair? What what strategies and tactics did schools use to to kind of court you? Yeah, it's funny like as I don't know thinking about that, I don't I don't remember a feeling courted in general and I was a as a, a pretty attractive applicant and and I just remember being inundated with print materials huh. like just view books and personal letters from you know deans and college reps and all of that but it didn't feel for some reason even though the letters you know were signed by hand I don't remember it, any of it feeling very personal personalized or even realizing that I was being courted I don't think I remember our first, you know, college fair. And it was, it was a lot of, you know, I was very intimidated by these people who are probably 22 and <laughs> seemed like they, they, they should have been like, you know, to me, they were like 55, like it, yeah, it yeah. didn't matter. You know, they were so much older than I was. And so I didn't feel much, you know, there was really no real relationship building. I don't think at the time there were, I, I do remember attending some like regional events. I don't remember them coming to our, our school, but instead sort of all the kids from the area applying to particular schools could get together and go to these 
info sessions. And it was all very like, same as the tours, same as the admit days. It was all like eyes forward hmm. is how, how I remember the experience. Everybody looking forward, nobody, you know, kind of shoulder to shoulder, nobody looking at each other or, you know, no kind of relationship building among the students or even much with the, with the school. That's hmm. kind of my memory of it all. Do you remember after receiving these print materials, would you go and Google, you know, what do people say about this college or university? Or like, did you did you pay attention at all to sort of like the, the digital presence of these schools? Or was it pretty much you've received some materials, the ones that you liked, you'd maybe schedule a campus tour or a campus visit, and that was pretty much it. Like how, how much influence, if any, did like the digital footprint of those schools have on your willingness to seriously consider them? Yeah, it was more the latter, but you know, that's also probably a sign of, of the times. I mean, I was still reading in books about schools and, you know, and trying to get a sense of, of what other people thought of, of the schools that way, trying to talk to people I knew who had gone to the schools or whose older sisters had gone to a school, you know, trying to get information that way. Again, I think it's more a sign of the times and kind of where I fell in in the recruiting, you know, kind of what recruiting looked like at that time. And what did you ultimately study in school? I started as a bio major, bio and math, and okay. ended English and religious studies. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. What a journey. <laughs> yeah, quite a quite a transition. Yeah. And and then, you know, and then went on and started businesses and, and, but I didn't actually study business either. Yeah. I don't think I knew that about you. That's uh, we'll have to have a whole another episode about that because I, I like, <laughs> got to be a, a, a plethora of stories as to, as to how and, and why that all happened. And then yes, after, so after school, yeah. after school, you, how soon after you graduate, do you found uh, scholars station? And can you just, for the sake of our listeners, give us a little bit of a sense of what that business was and ultimately sort of sure. how how you exited from it yeah sure I, I was working on it almost like as I was graduating I was always somebody who was tutoring I come from entrepreneurial parents and so kind of working on it for a while officially founded it a year after I I graduated maybe a little less than than a year and it grew into a full service academic support company. So college advising, tutoring, you know, test prep, essay work. We worked with Fortune 500 companies to mm. run workshops for, for their employees, not, not a, more like business English type workshops. And it was scaled out, you know, sort of had an in-person presence and then scaled nationally because it was sort of early days of, of ed tech. So wow. we had did a lot of tutoring remotely and a lot of uh, test prep remotely, ran workshops and kind of early, early days on a lot of that stuff. And ultimately you end up selling it to rev.com. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. It, about eight years after I started it, wow, it, it was acquired. Okay. And yeah. then you went and worked there for a bit. And then talk to us about how you ultimately become the CEO of Zemi. I know that there's uh, at least a few years in between in between working at Rev after the acquisition and ultimately becoming uh, CEO of Zemi. So what what is that story? Yeah, so I, I sold Scholar Station to Rev. We built... A, a globally scaled a tutoring application. And it, now this was like 
2014, everybody was building the Uber for, for everything. Huh. When, when we launched it, there's this amazing app where you open the app and click a button within 20 seconds, you connect with a tutor anywhere. The tutors were all domestic. You could be anywhere in the world, 24 seven, connect with the tutor within 20 seconds, drop into a shared whiteboard and wow. have just a really rich tutoring experience with a credentialed teacher. It was a phenomenal product. I ran, ran that uh, company for four years and then took a little break. I'd had my first, my first son, I've got two and I had had my first one. He was about seven months and I decided it was time for a little break. And my husband and I decided to pull away from work and go travel. And we went to Iceland and RV'd around Iceland. Wow. And then, yeah. And then through kind of mutual connections in the Bay area, got connected to the board at Zimi and they were sort of in a period of transition and with my background and history running ed tech companies, it uh, was a really, seemed like a really good fit. And so they, they reached out to me. I had some ideas and we just, it all just made sense to, to come together and, and see what we could do. And that's when we really built the, the community app that we have today and kind of built the product that it is today it was since then, that was 2018, end of 2018. What a story. What a, I mean, I, I think you might be uh, one of the more interesting people we've had on this podcast. You started off as a, a bio major. You left as you, you leave school as an English and religious studies. <laughs> you then, you know, after your first company and having a kid, you decided to go RV around Iceland. And now you're leading, you know, the next, you know, and, and coolest app in uh, the social media space for the college search. So very, very, very. <laughs> I'm curious. So having been around the industry for, for a while and again, working on the ed tech side of things over the course of those, those eight years while you're at rev.com after you sell scholar station to them, and then ultimately, you know, the road that leads you to Zimi, what, what were some of the, the more significant shifts that you witnessed in marketing and student recruitment along the way? Like as specifically as you're, you know, working to build sort of the, the Uber for, for, you know, tutors, like what, <laughs> what, what happens in the industry? Like what, what observations around how schools talked to prospective students, how schools courted prospective students, did you, did you witness? And, and what if any of those, those shifts or changes in behavior were particularly noticeable to you? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, during that time that, you know, we were building this, this tutoring product, so it was about four years. So it was from like 2014 to 2018. And I would say, and before that, I was really deeply involved in, in college admissions, recruiting. It was a huge core of what, what we did. And I, one thing is just from my own experience, there was a big transition from all of those print materials to this more, you know, digital experience. So better websites, you know, richer experience, experiences on web, yeah. emailing, I think, you know, and, and there was a lot more intention around emailing and better and better communication that way. Then there was that kind of shift to, to mobile and, and then, you know, now to kind of native mobile. And I think colleges got on board to understand the value of that and the difference between, you know, something that's just like a web wrapper versus like a native mobile experience. Gen Z is definitely aware of that. So I think we saw all of that. The other piece that when I kind of came back to admissions that was social and mm. like the, the rise of social in college admissions. So, you know, Facebook groups, the pressure on colleges to create quality social content. You know, I think some early interest, like with those Facebook groups and community building, there's sort of this kind of shift and awareness. And then within that time 
and kind of since, since I kind of came back to, to admissions, the, the sort of backlash to social from Gen Z. So, you know, like the, this allergic response that Gen Z has to Facebook is very different from, you know, millennials before them. Yeah. And I think part of it is, you know, mom and grandma are on Facebook. <laughs> and I think it's like only like 3% of, of Gen Zers can sit, like, will say Facebook is their preferred social app. I mean, it's just not the space where they are or engage anymore. And I think that was a huge, a huge shift that, that we saw. And then more recently, there's, you know, 64% of Gen Z has had to take mental health breaks from social media. So I think there's also been this real shift in social and in students recognizing the sometimes toxic impact that social can have. And so it's not always a safe space for students to engage in, on sort of the traditional platforms. And that impacts everybody who's trying to engage them on those platforms, all brands, not, not just higher ed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and to the to the point on Gen Z's, you know, disdain or maybe just disinterest in in Facebook. I'm sure you guys uh, saw this, but it looks like Facebook just recently shut down their their campus product, like their their I saw that. Like college and, and university yeah. groups, and they said we're not going to do this yeah. anymore. And I wonder if it's because yeah. uh, their target audience just isn't there; they're just not interested. I don't, yeah, I don't saying know, no, thank you, we don't want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not interest. I, I think disinterest is exactly it. I mean, we see one of the things that we have in, in Zimi is such a pulse on, on what young people are talking about, right? Like we, we just see the conversations. We see what they're saying. We see what they say about Facebook yeah. <laughs> over and over and over. They say Facebook's the place that they go to like keep up with grandma. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and it's so sweet because that is, that is the reason they create these Facebook accounts is either because some teacher told them to, or because grandma's on there and they just want to make sure grandma can see some photos of, of their lives. Yeah. They're not connected with grandma on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. Well, one of the things I want to pick your brain on specifically is sort of th this interesting moment that, that higher ed is, is living through, right? So before COVID was, was a reality, traditional acquisition channels for student recruitment were were already starting to wane but i think like everyone would agree the pandemic came and it's sort of dramatically accelerated this disruption and you know one of the things that is is a more obvious disruption is schools requirements for standardized tests right so you know covid again kind of started this and I think many schools are struggling to understand, will we go back to requiring the SAT or ACT or other forms of standardized testing? Or is that sort of like era over? And, you know, for, for many folks that are working in admissions and marketing at within the context of a college or university, buying these names, buying these students' names has been a primary way in which they first meet their, their future students. And so I'm curious, like, what do you think about this moment? Like, what have you observed? What are your thoughts on whether or not you know, admissions folks and, and higher ed marketers will ultimately go back to buying a bunch of names and enrolling folks in sort of traditional search campaigns? Or, or are we sort of entering an inflection point where the old tactics, the old, you know, pools for, for leads are, are actually finally waning and it's time to really start thinking critically about new channels and, and new opportunities. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting moment. One, one that's been coming, like you said, for, for a while, but just got accelerated through COVID. I mean, I think 
ultimately, I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting for a lot of reasons. I, I tend to lean on, you know, I, I, I like these moments, these squeeze kind of moments. That's mm. when great innovation comes out. So I think that's where we're going to see great innovation on the college side. We're going to see, you know, new companies crop up to solve this problem in a way that is is better for everyone. I mean, I think the foundation of Zimi long before I got here was about improving, you know, access to, to college and making the experience equitable for for everybody. And and I think that's that's what this does. Right. If we stop assessing students in the same traditional way with these, you know, old, old tests that don't give a real picture of who, who these young people are. I I think it's exciting. And I think from the college side, I know there's a lot of anxiety, but I, I think that, you know, most colleges actually don't have a lead gen problem. They don't need to buy, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of names. They need to convert the folks better that they have in, in their, in their funnel. So it's not a lead gen problem. It's a, it's a lead conversion problem. And so I think if, you know, and that's what we're seeing in Zimi. I mean, that, that's what we do. We take, we, while we will drive, you know, we've got all over a million students in, in the app, we can drive a lot of organic traffic to each school, but those students are sort of raising their hand and opting into it. And they're learning about the schools from their peers, the peers who are falling in love with the schools and chatting about them in like the anime chat and chatting about them in the rock climbing chat or in the black student forum. And then those students be like, well, that's interesting. I, maybe I should go follow that school. And then in Zimi, the schools that engage get to really get to know those students and and convert those students and those students convert at higher rates they they convert three times the rate the students who aren't so i think that that it's it's an exciting time i think it's a time where hopefully everybody you know one of the other good things about covid was that admissions offices were finally given permission to put their budgets elsewhere and mm. and try out a whole bunch of innovative products. Some worked, some didn't, but try out new strategies, try out innovative products. And I think this is putting the same squeeze on them. And, and so hopefully we'll see innovation across the board as a result. Yeah. It's almost like we, you know, the industry needed some, some big excuse, right. To finally, yes. be, to, to finally warrant like, okay, what if we did reimagine how things work? Like what if to, to your earlier point, what if it wasn't, you know, about a hundred thousand buying a hundred thousand names and converting point, you know, one percent of them into applicants and/or enrolled students? What if there was a more sustainable way to to recruit these prospects? And I, I do feel right. like a lot of positive change, while while difficult and and while challenging, particularly I think challenging to like the organizational structure of of a college or university. I think ultimately we're going to see a much more sustainable recruitment process moving forward. Yes, 100% agree. And, you know, speaking, speaking of that, you know, be, beyond name buys, many schools, especially at, you know, the, the graduate level or even sort of like the non-traditional student level have relied for years on, on Facebook and Instagram inquiry generation. And in light of just some of the dramatic shifts we're seeing in user privacy, you know, most popularly led by, by Apple, targeting these, these audiences on these social networks is becoming increasingly challenging. And obviously, for our, as our listeners are, are well aware, organic reach for college and university Facebook pages is basically zero, and even paid reach is getting harder and harder. And I, I just love your thoughts. Obviously, you know, Zimi is sort of charting its own path here, and there's some bias there just being their 
you know, CEO and all, but how, how, like, how do you think (laughs) schools should be reacting to this reality? And, you know, what role do you see social media playing in, in institutions overarching marketing and student recruitment strategies? And I'd love your thoughts again, obviously on how Zimi kind of fits into this mix, but even beyond Zimi, like what is the role that social media does play in the continual acquisition of quality prospects for, for an institution? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a tectonic shift happening in all digital marketing. This is not unique to higher ed recruiting, I think. And I think that that's how I'm I'm looking at it. I mean, think of like where digital marketing started and where we are today, right? Like digital marketing 1.0 is like banner ads and SEO and try to get like get a link out to your website to the right people and then all of a sudden platforms like Facebook and Google you know are really owning the space you've got you know hyper targeted audiences because we're collecting a lot of data you've got lookalikes this is you know content driven data driven there's all this pressure on brands to create content that seamlessly fits into feeds right like it's very noticeable if something feels like an ad and so there's all this, this pressure on brands and you can only do that. You can only get to the right people that you're trying to target with the right content when you're getting tons of data back, or at least the platform is getting tons of data that allows you to target. And now we're in this world, like you're saying, where there's data clean environments and privacy first movements, and you can't rely on cookies and platforms, consumer, consumer level data. Like it's, it's, it's totally different. And the spaces, like you said, have become really saturated. Mm. Everybody wants, particularly for Gen Z, everybody wants to reach this audience, all brands. So, you know, higher ed institutions are competing against the biggest brands in the world with the biggest, the biggest budgets. And then the audience itself is sort of allergic to traditional advertising. And so, and, and allergic to anything that, you know, is, is based on sharing their data. And so we've, it's, that I think is leading us to this very unique moment where there's this opportunity to move into a new kind of digital marketing. And and again, I think this is true for all brands, not just higher ed. Like we're now seeing more community marketing, relationship building. It's it's a focus more on like long-term brand building and, and adding value to the customer. So anything that adds value to the customer or gives them, you know, some meaningful kind of rich experiences, that's the stuff that, that is resonating with the audience. And I think we're going to see that across the board. We, we already are seeing a lot more community marketing and you can't really do community marketing, like an Instagram, like comments on an Instagram post. That's not, that's not community marketing or community building, right? That's, that's still kind of almost like that experience I was describing before, where like all eyeballs are pointing forward like they're they're not engaging really with one another even if they're replying to somebody else's is somebody else's comment and so i think that's what we're seeing across the board we're seeing like some really cool innovation from brands trying to build uh, and like nurture relationships with their customers and that's the opportunity for colleges the the best thing is colleges already knew that and have have known that for a while and their their brands lend themselves better to community marketing you know it's it's kind of hard if if you're like Intel, it's kind of hard to do some community marketing. Yeah. But if if you're a college and you know students are trying to figure out where they where they they want to go and live and and actually be part of an actual community, 
it, it's a lot easier, I think. So I think that's, we're going to see that across the board and it's going to trickle down to higher ed or maybe higher ed has an opportunity to kind of lead the charge here. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a super interesting way of, of thinking about it. And it's really sort of like a, a nice segue into to my next question. There's a lot of dialogue and you're, you're touching on this already in sort of the greater marketing community about the difference between audiences and media that are owned versus rented and how many mm-hmm. brands have become, you know, far too reliant on, on rented audiences. So, you know, your own audiences are, are the people that you can directly communicate with, right? So a, a contact that you have, uh, you have their email address or, or you know, their, their phone number. There's no in-between that you have to go to to try and reach them. You can reach them directly versus a rented audience are folks that, you know, follow you on Facebook or Instagram or other social accounts. So in, in terms of like balance, right? Like how do you think, because, you know, there, there, in all likelihood, there's probably still a role for renting audiences there's probably still a role for you know the massive amount of reach that you can have the discoverability that can happen on a you know instagram on a tiktok on a facebook like that's not going to totally go away so i guess how do you consider the the balance and and specifically speaking to to higher ed here what what do you think this looks like like what what is the role of the instagram and the tiktoks of the future versus sort of the you know, the, the role that an app like Zimi might play in really being where community happens. How do you think about that, the, the tension between the two and what role each has? Yeah, you, I mean, you're right. You need both. You need the massive reach. You need the brand saturation on those in those rented spaces. You just also, we all have to understand. And, and we market just like anybody else, right? Like yeah. we, we have the same challenges that our, our colleges have. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because we, we experience the same tensions that, that they do. I would say like the rented spaces are great. They're just so saturated and crowded. You have to understand that, that the audience is, is only giving you a fraction of their time, if time at all. And, and it's, it's really like diverted space, you know, diverted Mm. attention, I would say. And, and so what's great about the owned spaces is that that's where they're there to engage with you. If they open your email and read your email, even from, you know, just something so simple, that's so intentional instead of just kind of popping into their feed and then they forget about it, you know, when they scroll up and see what's new with Billie Eilish. Like (laughs) it's, it's just a different, right? It's like just, just a different space for us. What we have seen is that the Zimi spaces Students are in Zimi to engage around the college journey. That is why they're they're there. Yeah. And so they're there to consume the content from, from the colleges and intentionally consume that content. They're there to intentionally engage with their peers. They're there to you know, attend events that colleges are throwing. So everything about it is, is so much more powerful, much, much more meaningful. And they walk away with these, these kernels of these valuable experiences, I would say. And it's harder to, to create experiences in the rented spaces. And kind of to my point before, I think experiences and relationship building are really the future of marketing. So I think you need both. You need to drive folks to your own spaces from your rented spaces. And that's really their, their main goal. And then also just the brand saturation, make sure that, you know, your, your brand is kind of top of mind for, for students. And, and you have to be there. You have to be on TikTok and you have to do a good job yeah. and you have to be on Instagram and you have to do a good job and really understand those spaces and what, what the audience is expecting from you. Because when, when you don't hit the mark, this is also a pretty, pretty tough crowd. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love what you just said about sort of like the rented audiences being sort of the the driver of growth and owned audience. And I wonder too, yeah. like if, if we'll start seeing, and maybe that's a, a very practical and helpful takeaway for folks tuning into this conversation is like, are you doing the, the goal of the content that you're posting on Facebook, on Instagram, on, on TikTok really should be to increase the increase sort of like your own audience. And therefore, like what what kind of content is most likely to increase uh, to, to, to convert, quite frankly, so that you can now communicate with this person through owned channels. And I do think that like right now we're still seeing time and resources and budget spent trying to promote things on rented audiences that are really mm-hmm. more appropriate for people that you actually own. And like what happens when we recalibrate that budget and, and, and you know, those resources and say, hey, instead of focusing on an event marketing, launching an event marketing campaign on Instagram with ad span, with, you know, resources spent on copywriting and whatnot all there, what if instead those get launched in something like a Zimi? And really what we're doing yes. on the Instagram and the TikToks is just coming up with some super cool, like, you know, story content or uh, brand video that drives people to a place where they ultimately can submit a, you know, form, give an email, give, you know, give a phone number, you know, or, or follow or follow that respective institution on Zimi. So yeah. Any just reactions to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, students aren't, they're not opening TikTok to see content from a college. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's not why they're opening that content. But if there's great content that drops, you know, on, on their For You page, fantastic. Like, what is the, where is that content going to drive them? Like, what's the next step of that? What's the goal? You want to get them into the space where, you know, in our case, like students are opening Zimi 13 times a day to engage around the college journey. Yeah. So you want to get them from there to this own space where now every time you have an event, every time something interesting happens on campus, every time, you know, a big game is coming up, you, you let these students know and they're, they are opening, you know, intentionally opening the app to engage in that space. So I think the two go together really well and, and marry together really well, as do other socials. And it's just really important to understand the role that each one plays, not just for, from a marketer's perspective, but from the user's perspective, right? From the student's perspective. Uh, what is the role that each one is playing in their life and how do you engage um, very strategically yeah. in that? Yeah, and, and you know, I think one of the ways of, of framing what we're discussing is something that, you know, you all really have been a little bit more prolific in, in preaching recently, which is this idea of collective enrollment, right? And how it's, mm-hmm. and you know, I think of it as almost a, a sister to like community marketing. And, you know, this this series that we're working on together is is called collective enrollment. So like in your own words, Vanessa, like what what is collective enrollment and how and why is it important for admissions folks and, and marketers today to, to understand and where did you, what also, you know, any sort of context you can give around like how you all arrived at this term and, and its significance would be super helpful too. Yeah, sure. I, what we know what the power of community can do. And I think everybody knows that that's, that's why colleges host admitted student days. It's why we have orientations on campus there's, there's something really magical that happens when these, when anybody, but when young people connect with one another around that shared experience of, of applying to college. And there, when we think of sort of those traditional marketing mechanisms that we used to use, right? Like just blast out emails, blast out even text messages, you know, more recently, send out a million view books. 
it's this very siloed experience for the student. And I think that for me personally is exactly what mine felt like. I, there, I might receive a view book, but there was no, nothing happened after that. I'd read the view book and then, you know, decide in the end whether or not I was going to apply to the school, maybe look up, you know, what their like tour opportunities were. And so I think for, for us, we know how to build community and we can, we see every day the power of community and by building community and then dropping content into this sort of shared space that where, where people are connecting around that shared experience, all of a sudden it reverberates in the community. So instead of a view book, you know, somebody like in Zimi, for example, somebody will drop a, a current student might drop a video of like, Hey, walk to campus with me. Like, mm. just, just see what it looks like, you know, like, just see what that looks like. And then all the students in Zimi that are following that institution, see that and they're active. Our constant motion machine are the chats. And so they're, they're, they're in those chats all day long, chatting and talking to each other. And so that post brings those, they get a push notification. It pulls them all back in. They drop into the chats. They may start talking about that post. They may, you know, say, has anybody else visited campus? Have you seen that building? And then they just start chatting about who knows what euphoria, like it, you know, anything. And that bonds them to each other. And now that single post has, has legs, right? Like it's, it, it is connecting these students to each other in a way that a view book or even a post on like Instagram just could never do. And so that's where you, you start to see this really incredible peer-to-peer influence when, when you start marketing in this community environment, listening to your, your audience, participating, building relationships with them, and then mostly allowing them to build relationships with each other. Hmm. Every single thing you push out reverberates and we see, you know, obviously higher conversion through through the recruitment funnel, but you also just see this really magical peer-to-peer influence where, where we see, we actually see in Zimi students say, I never actually was considering this school, but this is such a cool community. Like I, I'm definitely applying here now. And and we see that every day, all day in Zimi. And so I think, you know, we're we're certainly not, we didn't invent the concept of of community marketing, but this collective enrollment, this collective experience kind of leveraging collective behavior is something that that grew out of the community marketing that we were already doing. Well, and I, I imagine, I mean, what you guys are doing is is so interesting because you're first and foremost working with a generation that grew up making like digital friends like the idea of like connecting with with somebody digitally whether it's like you know through through discord or you know even just through like instagram dms or whatever it might be it's it's just natural like it's 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 almost like it's like native to how gen z operates but then you know taking it a step further you you transformed the college search experience from something that's like relatively siloed like if you if you are in high school and you're looking at maybe like a state school nearby there's odds are there are several other students from your high school some of your peers that are also probably considering that state school but if you're looking at like a liberal yeah. arts school in like the midwest like there might be no one in your peer group right at your school that's also thinking about that institution and so the likelihood of like you yeah. actually enrolling there is probably relatively little unless there's some other sort of connection there but now through something like Azimi, you could actually meet a network of people that could be your future friends, right, at that respective institution. And therefore, I would just imagine that yeah, the likelihood of you at least seriously considering at least applying to an institution where you don't have you don't know a lot of people um, is just significantly greater because all of a sudden 
you know a lot of digital people like you know digital digital friends so to speak that are also considering that same that same school so that's just a it's a really sort of like interesting convergence as you said between what's happening culturally what's happening generationally and ultimately just you know how the the future of the college search will evolve that's true and 80 89 of students expect to know who their close friends are before they go to campus yeah, which insane. is insane that's like, insane yeah. i i got to campus and knocked on you know the first day my parents dropped me off and knocked on the door and was like hi i'm vanessa you know like yeah. that didn't know my roommate before before i got there like introduced myself when i got there and this is a this is a different world and 52 percent of our users in zimi find their close friends wow. in zimi so, which is, which is phenomenal. I mean, it's that, that's what they're there to do. That's what drives conversion through, through the funnel. It's exactly what you're saying. If you and I are both interested in the same school, but we are on opposite sides of the country, we meet and connect. We're both way more likely to convert two times, actually more likely to convert and submit an application. And then three, three times more likely to, to yield. Wow. Wow. That's remarkable. So Vanessa, I'd love your thoughts just on how schools that are thinking progressively and, and, and understand sort of like how Gen Z operates, how to, you know, the importance of community marketing, how, how are schools building these strategies and, and sort of what role is, is Zimi playing in, in helping make all of this happen? Yeah, I think, I think the schools that do it well are, are creating safe spaces for students to connect and to truly get to know each other. So it's not just about chat. I think chat is, is a fantastic feature, but it's about, it's about a bigger experience, about creating social experiences that take care of the whole student. I think we've got a lot of mental health issues in, in the world right now for, for many reasons, but particularly in, in our younger generation, 67% of college age adults have been very lonely in the last 12 months, mm. 30% in the last two weeks. And so we've got, we've got students out there who are feeling very disconnected. And this is an opportunity, I think, for colleges to say, we hear you, we're listening. We understand that the so your social world and your academic world, especially in college, are kind of one and the same. And yeah. we need to take care of the whole person. And so by creating safe spaces, where these students are being introduced to each other in person, but also digitally, because there's so many students who, you know, URM students, first-gen students, just students where there's a pandemic, you know, like there's many reasons why students can't get together and attend all of these events on campus that a college might host. So creating these safe spaces for students to, to get to know each other and then and then getting involved in those spaces, it, having meaningful conversations with students about where they are, not just the school, but about kind of where they are running social events for them to say like, Hey, we know it's important that you're making friends through this process. Those are all things that we foster and have seen be incredibly effective for, for our partner schools. And I think, unfortunately, Facebook groups is just not really the place to do it. I think Discord's interesting, but Discord is a, again, a really crowded space. A lot of students still look at it as like kind of for gamers. And then there's that last piece, which is that it's just chat and, yeah. and there's not like these, you know, what we put together are rich profiles where you can go in and you can actually learn about somebody, not their like hyper filtered highlight reel of their life, which is what you'll find on Instagram or maybe even on TikTok, but instead just like the real person, like, who are you? What's your Harry Potter house? Like when was the last time you cried? Like Rand, do you like cake or pie? Like 
the full range of questions that help kind of facilitate and nurture relationships among among students. And I think it goes it goes a, a long way. And then and then you drop your content in. That's also happening. And then you have you know it's just about listening and engaging with with the broader community instead of this kind of siloed experience. Yeah, I I, I think about. Uh, a few groups that a few social media groups that I'm a part of that I that I really love and really get a lot of value in and I've seen uh, mm-hmm. value from it and I've I've seen sort of these groups develop even just in the last year and actually hire some you know full-time community manager right a, a digital community manager and th- this person's job is to help you know facilitate facilitate like really really good interesting conversation highlight threads yeah. that might be particularly interesting to to the group etc and I, I I think that like it's not we're not too far off from there being roles specifically designed within a college and university marketing team or admissions team where it's like hey your job is to be our you know our Zimi community manager or something like that right like and, and this right. idea that if, if we're gonna do this well you, it, it's not like it's not just a promotion it's not just a billboard like if Zimi just becomes a, another billboard another place to drop content you know as you would on a Facebook page or an Instagram page I don't think it's gonna it's gonna work like Gen Z is gonna gonna very very quickly like grow numb to it. You, you, you sort of have to understand the nuances of, of the community. You have to understand sort of like the rules of the sandbox and then figure out how to effectively engage so that one, you're respected, but then two, that you can actually deliver the value that you know you have in a way that resonates. Absolutely. And, and to, to let the audience engage authentically sort of the way that they want to. So I, I agree with you. I think that that community mods is probably a, a role that will pop up. It's something that we actually do. We we put mods in in most of our communities huh. in and they're student mods and we train them and teach them how to do it. And they're they're true peers. They're not even like current students on campus. They're true peers. And it's it's incredibly effective and and really helps to cultivate the community and kind of nurture, take care of it. I think people are looking to social, the sort of future of social is more around private safe spaces. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's what we're creating. I think that's why it's resonating with the audience. I mean, we have, we have better one, two, three month retention, better 12 month retention than, than Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Oh, so wow. we are, we are, our, our social metrics are incredibly competitive, um, incredibly competitive. And I think it's just because it's a space that is really resonating with that audience and and we're meeting them kind of where they are and at and where social is going and and that's what like they want to engage around shared experiences and it's it's a really rich space for for colleges to to engage and to kind of nurture those those relationships yeah that's 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 incredible a couple of final questions for you vanessa first is just around You've shared some of this already, but are there any sort of other stats on, you know, the ROI of, of collective enrollment and community marketing that you'd want to throw out based off of everything that you all are are learning at ZME? And I know that, you know, we're still sort of, I would argue anyways, we're still like very much in the early days of this, of this idea, this concept of like community marketing really being done well within the context of higher ed, specifically for like, for the purposes of student recruitment, but any, any other sort of just like power stats or interesting data points that you'd want to share? Yeah. Sure. I mean, for us, it's, it's not that early. It's, it's what we've been doing since, you know, 2018. So we have a lot of stats, a a lot of case studies. And so our, our average just NTR savings from this kind of marketing is 2.7 million for, for our partners. And that's a lot, it's just, 
more butts and seats, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's just people, more people converting through, through the, the funnels. So that, you know, that three X yield increase, reducing milk by half, but then we also see a 20 point, uh, increase in persistence after matriculation. So students who are in Zemi graduate at higher rates as well. And mm. it's just because they build the support networks early, early on. So not only are they converting through the funnel at higher rates, but they're actually graduating at higher rates because they have that support network that's so critical to their success because times get hard, <laughs> it yeah. gets hard in college. And if you have that that strong network to kind of fall back on, you're much more likely to succeed and, and to persist. And so we see, and then particularly with our higher risk populations. So URM, first gen, and then students who travel a, a further distance to go to that school are all at higher risk of attrition. And we really mitigate that as well. And you can, you can impact that attrition as early as like a sophomore in high school, which is, which is what is kind of mind, mind blowing. But by engaging with students early, getting them really deeply connected with your institution and with their peers early, early in the funnel, you can increase their chance that they're actually going to, going to complete school. Yeah. That's remarkable. And, you know, ultimately like that, that is what it's all about. Right. And so (laughs) if in fact that does happen and that can happen, it's, I think it's just a testament to really just the importance of relationships as you've you yes. know so neatly talked about. It's like, if you can establish really good relationships, strong support systems, even before somebody comes for, you know, their, their orientation, the likelihood of that person ending up graduating and then ultimately entering, you know, the workforce prepared and motivated and, and, you know, excited, quite frankly, that's, that's where you should be spending your effort. That's where you should be spending your time. That's where you should be spending your resources as an enrollment marketer. Yeah. For sure. And my final question for you is in the next three to five years, right? As folks spend hopefully less money on Facebook proper anyways, trying to recruit uh, Gen Z since <laughs> only 3% of them prefer to spend any time on the platform. And as, you know, as, <laughs> as, as, as college board names just become less reliable and, or really sort of like the sustainability of, of, of name buys begins to, I think, be questioned at a grander scale what what are sort of the the channels and the strategies and the tactics that you think higher eds marketing and recruitment budgets will be spent on over the next few years yeah i think we're going to see more investment in community marketing across all industries not just higher ed like i think we're going to see relationship building, meaningful experience creation, like all of that uh, across the board. I just think it's the easiest for higher ed to pull off. So I think, you know, that that's, that's going to be the big trend. I think we're going to see a lot more spending in higher ed on, on conversion tactics as it, as it does become harder and harder to buy, buy names. I think, you know, again, hopefully we see a lot of innovation and in ways to generate names in a more organic way and that, that feels more organic to the students too, not just like their information's being sold. So I think, you know, as we see kind of both of those, we'll see more investment in taking those students who already raised their hand and just converting a higher percentage of them. And, and you do that through this community marketing and leveraging peer-to-peer influence and, you know, figuring out who your evangelists are and making sure that they're out there talking mm. about you. And those evangelists haven't even applied yet sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, the, it's, or it's important to identify them super early in the process. And that's one of the things that we do. We, we pinpoint and say, 
this student is one of your evangelists. Make sure they're at every event. Make sure, you know, you stay really connected with them. Make sure their voice is heard out yeah. there. And again, it, it may be before they've even, even applied. And then the last piece, I hope that we see more investment in mental health and colleges providing safe spaces and making this experience. There's enough going on right now that is raising everybody's anxiety levels, but particularly Gen Z. Gen Z is a more anxious population than any population before. And to more investment in making sure that this admissions and recruitment process is, is as enjoyable as it should be, because this is the beginning of the, the rest of their lives. And, and I think there's an opportunity to make it a really rich experience for students. And, and I hope to see that. I hope to see more and more investment in that and taking care of the whole student, connecting them socially, making sure they're not just getting into college, but they're gonna be successful when they get there. So well said. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for, for your time. And honestly, just thank you for all the work that you're doing to, to kind of build the future of, of college search and to build to build Zimi. Um, I think that, you know, you guys are on a really cool trajectory. I'm excited to be along for the ride and, and watching you all continue to grow. And I uh, just appreciate you taking some time out of your very busy schedule to come talk to us about community marketing and the future of collective enrollment. Thank you so much for having me.